Koto and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy where we are previewing round four of Super Rugby Aotearoa and helping me talk about all of the upcoming action is my dad. Enjoy. Well number he did and uh, as always you, you, you've been there for, uh, for me in my hour of need for most of my life and tonight is another one of those nights where unfortunately one of my boys has been called into work and um, yeah he, he let me know at the last minute so yeah. I really appreciate you stepping in again. I think this is the second time you've you've, you've helped um, come in and save my ass. So no, I think it's the third. <laughs> well, there we go. What a dad's Let's foray. Let's not just gloss over these things, son. There's, you know, uh, give credit where credit's due. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, considering I haven't had you on in 2020, uh, why don't you give me a rundown of what you've made of Super Rugby Aotearoa so far and any other things that have caught your eye or anything that surprised you? Um, I think, it obviously, if you, if you look at it right from the start, from like the, the first games that they played, you, you can sort of see it's it's going to be between um, the Crusaders and the Blues. It's sort of like those two in, in daylight between the other three. I think the team that's been most disappointing has definitely been the Chiefs. You, you just would have thought after last year that they'd, they'd probably have a bit more backbone. Um, and this time they can't blame the coach because it's a different coach. But it almost looks like um, Clayton McMillan's been given the, the hospital pass by uh, Warren Gatlin um, because it just looks pretty much... Yes, same as last year. Yeah, that's just my take at the moment, just from what I've seen. If I'm going to be completely honest, I'm I'm not totally inspired by the quality of the rugby, you know, with the exception of the Blues and the Crusaders. I personally think probably the Blues are the most impressive because I think the Crusaders are just being the Crusaders and it just sort of looks like the Blues have actually gone up a, a, a cog since last year. They look... Um, a lot more confident like they actually look like they really back themselves now and I think the game this weekend if I'm not if I'm correct uh, is the Blues Crusaders this weekend? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, on so Sunday. I, yeah I think that's going to be a cracker I think it's going to be an awesome game but as for the rest yeah pretty uninspiring to be honest yeah it's a fair call um, I'm similar to you with the Chiefs in that it looked like all was going well that first half an hour of their, their season opener a couple of Fridays ago, but similar again to what happened last season for them when they had their back put up against the wall, they crumbled. And like you mentioned, they can't pin that on Warren Gatlin anymore or any of the stuff that was going on in-house in 2020 because they've got a new coach this year and they've had a pre-season to, I guess, flush all of that. But yeah, obviously some of the old habits are proving to die pretty hard and yeah just like you with the Blues I have been pretty impressed albeit they have only played the Canes and the Highlanders so far and I, and I think the biggest work on that I've seen from the Blues has been in their forwards now Tony Brown made or well, the Highlanders made the comment earlier last week that they looked at them almost like a South African pack but for me the 
the difference between the Blues four-pack at the moment uh, and the South Africans, besides their depth, is just the X-factor that they have. I mean, you only have to look at the likes of Akiriawani and Hoskins Atutu, who can you know, match it with a lot of outside backs or inside backs to go to the length of the field and score tries. But it's one thing to have that, but then to also be able to flex your muscles and actually roll up their sleeves and do all the hard work. Um, yeah, that's something that the Blues haven't had the luxury of having in there type five and across their back three in the past so it's boding well for them now but yeah like like you mentioned we're gonna have to wait and see um until they're really tested against the crusaders thankfully for them it'll be at home i think it might be a different story if they were playing that in christchurch but i think psychologically if the blues don't get this done i think the crusaders can chalk up an, another title but we'll wrap that up there and we'll roll into the first game which is the hurricanes taking on the chiefs this Saturday uh, at the Cakedon, and um, the Hurricanes find themselves in a, in a similar spot to what they were last year. They're own two going into their bye week, and they roll out of it, and they're playing the the pretty hapless Chiefs. Um, so if you, if you just gloss over the first two games with the Canes, I mean they were outdone in the second half by the Blues, and they were punished by the Crusaders when playing with 14 men uh, the week before last. Uh, and, and going into this week, I mean, not a lot changes, but a little birdie has told me, and this has actually come from someone outside of the, the Hurricanes camp, that Jackson Garden Bishop uh, may be out for longer than expected uh, with an Achilles injury. So um, knowing all that we know about the Hurricanes so far, you know, a smaller pack, they haven't quite got Lani Lamapi going, and now they're down their starting first five. Um, I mean, how much of an impact is his omission going to be uh, for them, and who do you think fills in his place? I think the area where they'll miss Garden Bishop, will, although, actually, no, not really. I was just sort of thinking. Um, I, I would have thought the main area where they'd be missing would be goal kicking, but he's not goal kicking. It's Geordie Barrett, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I really don't know if they'll miss him. I, I think whoever comes in won't. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just. What's this new boy like? The one that's um, come down from Auckland that they think they might play. The one that was like New Zealand schools a couple of years ago. What's his name? Hayden Morgan. Yeah. Is he up to it? I mean, it's a big ask. He, he didn't get a lot of um, time in the saddle for the Lions last year because Jackson was uh, the, the guy playing 10 for the most part. So I think it, yeah, I think it is going to be pretty tough on a guy who's only really had a pre-season under his belt. I mean, he's He's not very big either, so I don't think he's quite there physically. So I'm not sure whether they chuck him in the deep end or whether they go and fill that void with Auburn Ledger, who's a guy that's sort of been around the block in the the Super Arena uh, the last couple of years. I know he had a bit of time with the Chiefs and with the Blues, and now obviously he got caught into the Canes, his injury cover for Simon Hickey, who went down with um, his knee injury before the season even got going. So he'd probably be the, the guy that I'd, I'd look to play at 10 there because I know there's been a lot of talk about Geordie Barrett moving into that position, but I just don't think it would be fair on him. And, I don't, and if I'm Geordie Barrett and I've got my eye on the, uh, on the All Blacks 15 jumper, I don't really want to go anywhere near that 10 position because ultimately it's just less time playing in my favourite position. It's more pressure on me because everybody will have this expectation that, you know, I'm, I'm almost have to take it, he's almost having to take it um, up a notch on top of all the... The other stuff that he's already doing, um, and a sort of second first receiver role around the park, and yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, he's the goal kicker. So, do we really want to move arguably our best player behind Adi Sevilla into a more compromised position? Yeah, I mean, the other one that, that could come at left field, 
and it actually be really interesting to sort of get your take on this is uh, the young boy Love who was playing first five for you guys like I know it's club rugby but would that be too much of an ask for him because he looks like a pretty he's a he's a he's a big kid and he looks quite confident um, what do you think about that I think if you were to toss up between him and Morgan, who we just mentioned just before, I'd probably prefer to see Ruben there. Now, again, I don't think he's had a lot of time at first five at the first class level. You know, um, with the season with the Lions last year, he was predominantly used as an outside back. But no, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, the times that I I was lucky enough to play inside him at the club level, he was um, uh, very assertive and very confident. And he likes to take the ball to the line, which as we've probably seen over the last couple of weeks in Super Rugby, Aotearoa is a bit of a, a rarity or a scarcity amongst the 10s um, starting at the moment. So, yeah, again, like, I'm not sure whether that's too early for him to be thrown in there, albeit they are playing, you know, probably the weakest team they're going to be um, playing against in the competition as a whole, and the Chiefs are already down on confidence. So maybe it is the time to, to throw someone like Morgan or Love in there. Um, I'm not too sure. Ultimately, that's up to... Jason Holland to decide, but yeah, I feel like they're probably going to err on the side of experience and, and not for the guy that brought in um, injury cover and ledger. But I can't. Is he? I always thought he was a midfielder for some reason. I don't well, know why yeah. I thought he was a midfielder. Well, the Chiefs started him at ten a couple of years ago, which was a a move that was questioned in, in, in the public. And yeah, I think he's sort of been one of those utility guys, similar to probably like right. a Chase Tiatia who. Right. Just plays everywhere and has shown a competency in playing that um, that ball player or being that yeah. ball player. Yeah. So, yeah, it will be interesting to, to see what impact not having Garden Bishop there has on the team. And who knows, like you said, if they bring in a young guy and he brings a bit of spark, maybe that's the catalyst that the Hurricanes need to get their um, campaign back on the road. But rolling over to the Chiefs, um, their opposition on Saturday, uh, obviously they haven't done themselves... Um, any favours uh, with the error and penalty count um, through the first two weeks and even off the back of 2020. But it's fair to say they were in the fight against the Crusaders on Saturday night before Weber was harshly sent to the bin. Um, obviously, there was that contentious call where Sam Kane went upstairs to the TMO with his captain's referral and um, argued that Brad Weber, or well, Brad Weber actually didn't touch the ball and that Mwanga knocked it on. Um, unfortunately, the TMO official Paul Williams saw it differently to Sam Kane and the rest of the rugby public, and Weber was sent to the bin, and that ultimately spelled the end of the Chiefs' chances of getting a win that night. But if the Chiefs are to play the way they did for that first 45 minutes against the Crusaders last week, do you think that'll be enough to beat the Canes? Possibly. Um, they, they have a habit of starting well. Just for whatever reason... I don't know what to say. I mean, I think they scored like about the first two minutes against the Crusaders. And then they were sort of hanging on. And, and, and it was really unfortunate that um, binning of Weber because that was just, I don't know what the the TMO was looking at, but it was really obvious. I didn't realise it's a knock-on when you hit the player's hand and he loses it. I didn't realise that was a, a knock-back. You know, so that was a complete cock up there. But I still think the the Crusaders were still always going to win that game. You could just sort of see once they started applying the pressure, you know, especially up front, um, it it just made it made it more a fait accompli once Weber got Sinbin. That was the game, even though it wasn't fair. But it's like anything, you know, when things aren't going your way, they definitely aren't going your way. And I think 
that's just where they are at the moment. The one thing I will say, some people might think I'm being a bit harsh here, but I'd actually question Sam Kane's captaincy. This guy's the All Black captain. And if your All Black captain can't even inspire you at super rugby level, you know, who can inspire you? So, I, yeah, I, I just don't know what Sam Kane's role in is in all of this with the Chiefs because, um, yeah, because you can't blame the coach anymore. I don't know. I don't, what's, what's your take on it with, with Sam Kane as captain? I just, I find him a, like a real toiler, a real hard worker. I don't find him inspiring though. It's funny you raise that point because it's something that I talked about last week or the week before last, and that's that I think there's no questioning that Sam Kane is, is a great player and, like you said, is always going to put his body on the, on the line and stick at it for the 80 minutes. But the proof is in the pudding when it comes to his his captaincy or his ability to, to galvanise the troops because they didn't win a game last year, even when he did return from his niggles. Um, I think it was like three or four rounds in for the Chiefs season. And then when the All Blacks were tested and the pressure mounted on them, they crumbled as well. And as we've seen the past two weeks, I mean, like, you can sort of forgive them for the, the Crusaders' loss because it was a harsh burning and the Crusaders are the reigning champs. But that first week where you're energised, you sort of have a head start. I, I know there's the argument that, like, when you have the buy in week one, it can be a bit of a letdown because you're then playing teams who sort of have that those Ks under their belt. But... They got to see how the Highlanders played. They got to see how the referees were interpreting the game. And they were on top of them for the first half an hour. And, yep, they were, um, again, unlucky, which which is probably a word that's been attributed to them um, for the last 12 months when John and Ariki, you know, just happened to get the bounce of the ball and really that was the momentum change um, in their season opener. But, yeah, like, like you've just mentioned, yeah, Sam Kane, yeah, for as much as he is... Yeah, a worker and a guy that you'd love to have in your team. I too look at him more as a Indian, um, you know, rather than a chief. Excuse that pun. So, I mean, and I think like there there was a question raised, you know, with him already being the All Black captain. Is there the need for him to be the Chiefs captain? Why not just designate that and and leave that responsibility to Brad Weber? Because I think if you look at the Crusaders. It, it tends to be the trend. So what tends to happen is that normally the and it's, I think it's been like that for a while that normally the All Black captain will send, tend to relinquish those mm. um, Super Rugby um, roles just so that it just sort of they can sort of relax a little bit more and concentrate more on I guess being the All Black captain. I mean, Richie McCaw did that. Karen uh, Reed did it. Karen Reed did it. E- even back in the day, like Sean Fitzpatrick, when he was All Black captain. He wasn't captain of Auckland or, you know, so or the Blues. It was in Zambrook. So, presidents have been set. Is it just because you're the All Black captain, you don't necessarily have to be the captain of your province? If anything, it just sort of allows you just to play your role. And that's like, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not questioning how His ability, Sam Kane, yeah. No, it's, it's mm. not that. It's about, you know, he could be, he, he could be an able, you know, an able lieutenant, you know, or, or, or one of the, you know, I guess one of the, in one of the senior roles. But, like, for example, like, even though they've been playing pretty average, in some ways, if you watch, the Hurricanes have probably been a two-man team. So it's either been Geordie Barrett or, you know, Artie Sevier. 
So I know there's been, I think there's one time, what game was it where Artie Severe got Sinbind? The Crusaders game. Yeah, and that was basically because he was pretty much a bit of a, you know, a lone ranger in a lot of cases. You know, he was covering a lot of ground, doing a lot of things. Um, where it was just like, well, you know, it was almost like someone had to do something to sort of stop the momentum, and that just sort of became his role. So, in a lot of ways, I would, I, I would say someone like Artis Sevier would be maybe a bit more inspirational as captain, and that's just, that's just my take. And I think that's sort of that's the difference. I don't, I don't necessarily see Sam Kane like that, if that makes sense. No, I totally agree. He doesn't strike me as someone who is big with his words, but I, I think for a lot of leaders, they, they especially if they're groomed as young fellas, it's something that they learn to become more comfortable with. But yeah, he, he strikes me as more of a guy who leads by his actions. And unfortunately, when you're under your post, when you've just had a tough time and you've had a couple of calls not go your way, you sort of need a guy who has the ability to get everyone in the huddle, look them in the eyes and make them believe that by following in their direction that they're going to be led down the right path. And, um, I mean, even if Sam Kane is doing that at the moment, unfortunately, he isn't leading them down the right path or leading them to wins, or at least um, not right now. So, yeah, again, not questioning his ability, but his track record speaks for himself or speaks for itself uh, when it comes to wins and losses with him having to front the media after the games. But, uh, yeah, we'll wrap this game up here, mate. Uh, who do you think wins it and by what margin? Uh, where's it been played? It's been played in Wellington. Uh, no, I'm gonna. That's gonna. That's gonna be my upset. So the Chiefs will win that. Just. Yep. Yep. They've got to win eventually. So, and I think the Canes have not been this vulnerable for a long, long time. So, if the Chiefs don't get them now, I don't think they'll ever get the Canes this year. I think this is the prime time for them to beat the Canes. I think as much as it pains me to say it, I, I sort of see this game similar to you. I don't think they're going to get um, a more opportunistic time to get a win on the board. And I say that because, one, we touched on the fact that they don't have a clear uh, first five replacement for Garden Bashit, but also the loss of a Safwa Moore two weeks ago. I think he's going to be huge. Yes, they will be getting um, one of their, uh, one of their martyrs back. back. Yeah, I, I think Coles will be back, but... Um, for me, he's been a bit of a shell of himself, you know, off the back of all the injuries that he's had. And, I mean, like, maybe maybe it will do him a world of good having not have that captaincy and not have to go back and forth with the referee because we know how much he loves to get into the niggle side of things. And you can't really do that as a captain. But now that Artie's captain, maybe that gives him a bit more free reign. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it, it seems like the, the Hurricanes are sort of there for the taking. But... At the same time, like you said, like who knows if they chuck a young young fella in there, or even if Ledger can come in there and spark up something different or add a little little bit of something different to the Canes' attack or get Nani involved um, a lot earlier, which is, I think, a big priority for them going into this week, then maybe they get the result. But, um, yeah, I have a feeling that, yeah, the, the Chiefs are going to get this one done as much as it um, tastes like vinegar for me to say that as a Hurricanes fan. But yeah, rolling on to Sunday's game where the Blues play the Crusaders, obviously we, we mentioned it right at the start of the podcast, the fact that this is going to be um, a blockbuster or what shapes to be one. Um, and yeah, as I also mentioned, the the biggest takeaway for me from for the Blues this year was the fact that their forwards have shown an ability 
to stick their head in dark places and actually, I don't know, be comfortable with the tight stuff or go to the tight stuff. I was reading some stuff earlier this week that um, in their game with the Highlanders that the ball was only in play for 25 minutes of the 80. And that Tony Brown said that if he, any, if he had any words of advice for the Crusaders, um, that's for them to play fast and try and take away um, the set piece and the stoppages um, from the Blues because that's where they like to assert their dominance. But fortunately for, for Razor, he does have a forward pack that's more than up to it and has a wealth of experience. But focusing more on the, on, on the home team to begin with, do you think that the fact that they have home, threat, uh, home run threats across the park and they are up on confidence... Are they the favourites going into Sunday? Um, no, I think it'll still be the Crusaders. But I think the thing that there's one particular part of that Auckland, oh sorry, the Blues team is that front row. They've got three All Black props in there, so they acquired Nepo Laulala. So that just gives them that extra bit of grunt up front. So I think you just you you can't underestimate um, how strong they're going to be up front and that's that's going to be the real test um, I think for the Crusaders I think this will be the first on that Crusaders four pack is going to be tested in the set piece is that um, the Blues have got three all black props in there and I think that'll, that'll be a real test uh, for the Crusaders I think the Crusaders are also struggling a little bit in the loose forwards because I think they've lost a couple of their key loose forwards um, they lost. I think they've, they've lost the the yeah, Tom, Tom Christie. Yeah, yeah, Tom Christie. Yeah, they've lost. Is Black is Blackadder still out? No, he should he he should be back in. They only set him for concussion protocol at the back end of that Hurricanes game. And Cullen Grace, from what I've read, should be back as well. He was just rested with a rib niggle. Who's that other guy? The guy, um, oh, big Herman Munster looking guy. Herman Munster looking guy. Um, he was a loose forward too. Is he? And he, he he's injured. What's that guy's name? I think you're talking um, about Tom Christie. No, 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 no. Is, is it Saunders? Oh, 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 Tom Sanders. Yeah, Sanders. yeah. Sanders. Yeah. Is, is he out too? Yeah, he had a. Um, he's got a fractured cheek at the moment. Okay, so um, so they're, they're they're down a little bit in the loose forwards. Um, so I think if the Blues are going to strike them, I think that they should hit them up front. I. I think the. That backlines sort of nullify each other. I think the big, I think the big difference in the backlines is uh, Moanga. I think if the if the Blues give him any space, I think he'll he'll just rip them to shreds because they haven't had to worry about a decent first five at the moment, or they haven't had to worry about the All Black first five. So I think that's going to be the test um, for the Blues backline. Although well, Teddy Black's playing with a lot of confidence, to be honest. He's looking pretty good. But yeah, I think the test is more going to be in the forwards. Because I... Um, yeah, the Blues have got depth, especially in the front row and also in the loose forwards. Probably not so much in the second row. But yeah, I, I think the, the the battle up front will, will decide it. I think, you know, if the Blues can put a bit more pressure on that Crusaders forward pack, I think that'll put Moanga under a bit of pressure but if Mwang hasn't put any pressure so if, if the Crusaders forward pack is at least getting parity but maybe getting a little bit of dominance I think Mwang would be the difference hmm. so if you so if you're the Crusaders or if you're Razor going into Sunday are you leaving the game in Sam Whitelock in the engine room's hands or are you trying to play more through Mwanga? 
I would personally play more through Moanga. So I mean, it's a, what it means is that the more the ball is in his hands, which means there'll be more ball movement. And so if you go with the rationale that Tony Brown says you need to speed the game up to run this big uh, Auckland forward pack around, then you'd probably want to get the ball in Moanga's hands a bit more. Um, and then, because what the Crusaders, I think, are really, really good is that for whatever reason, when they start to put the pressure on, especially in the scrum, they just sort of, sort of flick on that switch. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's really impressive when you watch them, you know, when they sort of need to, they'll just, just when they decide to, it's almost just like they're just like a, a you know, just an on-off you know, button, yeah. Yeah, it's just an on-off button, and all of a sudden you just see these these other forward packs just crumble under the pressure. It's really impressive. So, I mean, that's going to be the test for the Blues. I've got a feeling the, the Blues will put up a, a much better challenge than I think the other teams have at the moment. Um, and that's what I mean. So, just having that extra bit of power with um, Nepo Lalala there, and just with the depth they've got in the moment with their loose forwards, I just think um, that's going to be the challenge. Yeah, it is going to be interesting for me because I feel like they are quite evenly matched across the park, but I guess if you if you were to nitpick, I guess experience is one of the things, and I think that in pressure games, the Crusaders have shown that you need to, or in order to beat them, you have to be in it for the full 80 minutes. And like you just mentioned, there there, there have just been numerous examples, um, both in 2021 and I guess the last five years, where you know like they'll, they'll be you know under pressure on their own five meter line, they have a scrum, and their four pack will just win them a penalty. And it's like, bang, you get them down to halfway. They'll go to their line out, suck it in. Mwanga will make a break. They'll earn another penalty, bang, bang it to the corner. And then they score off their rolling more. It's it's, it's very annoying to watch as someone who's sick of seeing the Crusaders win. Um, and I know I've mentioned this numerous times, and, I, and it probably does sound a bit repetitive for people who do listen to this podcast. But, yeah, you really do have to tip your hat to them because no one smells butt in the water like the Crusaders and no one capitalises it on it like they do and yeah I guess the thing for me and what I've seen of the Blues is like yep their forwards have been very impressive but I actually haven't seen what I've liked what I would have liked to have seen um from the Blues backs now you mentioned the fact that all Teddy Black is, is playing pl- uh, quite well and I think that's just that that's just a um a result of him not trying to force his hands and letting the ball do the work and uh bringing in guys like Clark, Iwani, Talia um, Harry Plummer into the game and yeah, not trying to do too much. So, I yeah, think I, 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 yeah. I think yeah, for me like as, as as important as the Blues forwards are going to be on Sunday, I think it's going to have to take a special moment from Clark or Iwani to have them be on the right side of the ledger, because I, I feel like the the Crusaders have shown that if any team can absorb pressure and then counter attack, um, they are the ones to do it. So. Uh, I think, yeah, you're going to need um, a, a bit of magic or a bit of razzle out wide, and then that's going to be the talking point, you know, or the momentum shift of the game. But that's just that's just my take on it. I think um, I think one of the reasons why well, Teddy Black's playing so well, I just think it's, it's the Bowdoin Barrett factor's gone. So he can sort of relax. You know, he can just sort of, you know, just be his own man. Whereas I think, I think last year there was always this thing you know, this thing, this cloud hanging over his head is like, you know, if I don't play well, they'll put Bodie in there. And they eventually did. And even though he wasn't even, even though he was playing fine, but I just think he just doesn't have that hanging over his head now, the Bowdoin Barrett factor. And that, I think that's 
um, really changed his game. He just looks so much more confident. I mean, the team's more confident, but I just think, excuse me, um, he's more confident. And also as well, I must admit, um, Perofeta is not a first five, he's a fullback. That's just my observation. I don't know what you think about that, but he definitely looks better at fullback than he does at first five. I think he's the exact same as Mitchell Hunt. I think he looks far better at fullback than he does at first five. That's not to say that he can't play there, but there's just a, a little bit more freedom and less pressure when you've got uh, one five on your back instead of one zero. And, and rolling off that, I, you know, from your from your comments with with Ortiz, um, yeah, I think he is. You know, he's the he's the captain now. In a way, he's the captain of the back line and. You know, having Bowden Barrett breathing down your neck and not knowing whether or not you're going to get usurped, you know, the second week into your season, you know, obviously not having that sort of pressure there is great. But then also, I think like what we've seen with Mwanga in the past, when he's been able to just play his game with the All Blacks, it, it just seems like everything just flows a bit better because you don't have two different voices barking at you or the forwards don't have two different voices barking at them, so... Yeah, on top of the the Fords obviously taking a step up and the, the teams um, playing with a lot of confidence at the moment, I think for them, just having the one guy direct them around the park is um, proven fruitful. Yeah, I think if I was the Crusaders, this is just for me, if I was the Crusaders, if there was one player I'd be aiming at, or one channel I'd be aiming at, I'd be aiming at um, or Teddy Blake, that's obvious, but the other one would be the Harry Plummer. I'm not sure if he's a second five. I don't know. He to me, if it, if it was me and I, I and I was going to target an area, the Blues, I'd 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 attack um, Harry Plummer. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but that's just like really there aren't there isn't a better second five in the whole of the Blues region. Yeah, well, I guess if if, if I was to pick out anyone in their back line, he'd probably be the weakest link. Um, no offense to him, but yeah, Razor, if you're listening. Um, my dad reckons that you attack Harry. <laughs> um, but yeah, why don't we roll on to your prediction? Um, who wins this game and by how much? I'm going to go with the Blues. Only because if they don't win this, then they definitely won't win down in Christchurch. I think this is this is, this is is their opportunity to do it. Yeah, that's my other upset. So two upsets this weekend. So it's going to be the Chiefs. And it's going to be the Blues, but I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be close. And I think if the Blues win, they'll only just—they'll only just win. And I think they'll just need a lot of luck, everything to go their way, all the luck to go their way. But otherwise, if they don't win, then they won't win the competition if they don't win this. Hmm. I'm in a similar predicament uh, with this game as well. Just like with my heart, I'm wanting the Hurricanes to win on Saturday night and you know on the Sunday my heart's telling me that I want to see the Blues win but for whatever reason my head's saying that the Crusaders are going to come out and put together a performance that's almost like an F you to everyone who thinks that the Blues are even on their level um, as, as much as I'd, as I'd like to think that they are and I feel like they've, they've taken the necessary steps to propel themselves um, in the direction of wherever you know whatever mountain that the Crusaders are standing on um, I feel like the I feel like especially in the Fords, I feel like a lot has been made of the of the Blues Fords, and, and I definitely have been impressed by them. But like I mentioned earlier, I think experience counts for a lot in these pressure games, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the likes of Barrett, uh, Whitelock, Moody, um, yeah, really put in uh, an All Black level shift. 
I think yeah. yeah, I think I think the Crusaders were going to attack the Blues. I think they would probably maybe want to uh, attack them with the lineout, more lineouts. So I think that's 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 the one part of the All Blacks forward, uh, sorry, the All Blacks, the Blues forward pack where they they don't have the same amount of depth and um, same sort of I guess uh, muscle. So I, if I was the Crusaders, I'd attack them. I'd attack the Blues at uh, second five and attack them at the lineout. That's right. my take on it. There you go, Razor again if you're listening. <laughs> second five and line out. Um and the line out, yep. You, right. you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> well, I think that's our cue to wrap it up. Um, again, um, old fella, I really appreciate you covering my ass. I'm good to get your insight into these um, into these sorts of games. I, I know it's a big game this weekend and, and I do sincerely mean this. I was hoping to get you on later in the season where, you know, I know that you like to have a bit of substance or have um, a bit of data in behind a lot of your opinions and I felt like four weeks probably isn't enough for you but yeah hey you know desperate times um, call for heroes to step in and um, save me and yeah thankfully you've answered that call so um, I'll look to relink with you on Monday where um, yeah I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, what the results are yeah <laughs> that'll be interesting if both our predictions are wrong We'll have to wait and see. No, I'm quietly confident that there's going to be two upsets, and I think it'll be great for the competition. Yeah, I can't argue with that. All right, my man. I love you and leave you. All right, then. Hey, Tawa.